0: Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, a podcast where we explore compelling ideas and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. And I'm Brittany. This week, we're continuing our exploration of The Hunger Games, reading chapters 14 through 16. Brittany, what happens in these chapters?
1: So Katniss gets her first sponsor gift of medicine for her burns, and then drops a Tracker Jacker nest on the career's heads and gets stung three times, then remembers to go back for the bow and arrows that Glimmer had and sees that Glimmer has died. Also the tribute from District 4. While she's getting that bow, Pita comes back, says, what are you doing here? Get out of here, run. And Kato comes, but she just takes off running and basically falls into a pit, has all of these hallucinations, and then wakes up and quickly, after that, makes an alliance with Rue. Here's a bit about District 11, where Rue is from, and they devise a plan to sabotage the Careers' stockpile of food and weapons, while Rue lights fire distractions. Katniss gets there, sees Foxface do some strange thing and get some of the food from the stockpile, Then Katniss figures out that the tribute from District 3 used the landmines as booby traps. And she shoots a whole sack of apples from the pile and detonates the landmines.
0: Boom.
1: Boom. So it ends with her being thrown back. So what was a striking moment to you or something you noticed for the first time?
0: One that definitely hit me was how Katniss so naturally becomes so personable when she starts talking to Rue Mm. in a way that we haven't seen her with anyone outside of Prim the entire book. Even Gale, the limited interactions they had at the beginning of the book were so focused on the Hunger Games that it wasn't nearly as playful. But with Rue, even as they're in the Hunger Games, she kind of goes into this big sister mode and she already has ways of teasing her and ways of talking to her in ways that are Not talking down to her because she's younger, but talking in a way that is accessible and engaging for someone of that age. And yeah, I just I thought it was interesting to see Katniss become charming, particularly after Hamish calls her a dead slug and and all these (laughs) other kinds of things where, you know, the focus for her interview is how she can't be charming. Kind of like we were talking about in that episode, she can't perform charm, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't have it for those, who, those few who she actually gets along with. Totally. Because uh, I found her just very charming in that <laughs> moment. Like, as I'm reading, I found myself liking her in a way that was based off of charisma more than, you know, I, I I love her as a character because of her personality and her principles and these other kinds of elements. But this is one of the first times I found myself just... Being like, she seems like she'd be fun to be around here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this is where similarities between Katniss and me stop. I'm more charming with people my own age. or They don't have to be exactly my own age, but not necessarily with children. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to interact with children. Well.
0: <laughs> and so maybe that's why it was a striking moment for me, because <laughs> I do enjoy interacting with children.
1: And I didn't even
0: notice. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's why why we work well together. (laughs) Yeah, so that that was, I think, one of the big moments that I had. Another one, though, was the first moment that I really saw how death was shown in kind of a traumatic way in the language of the book, talking about Glimmer's dead body. Hmm. Because after she dies, they use language like... uh, how Katniss has to pry the bow out of what used to be her fingers, Mm
1: -hmm. which
0: I think part of that is based off of, you know, what's happening because of the tracker jacker venom. But I think it's also a way of highlighting that Glimmer isn't really the Glimmer anymore because Mm -hmm. she's, she's been killed and and in such a, a grotesque way, which I thought was really not terrifying, but, but, but just grotesque itself in that description. Similarly in that, in that same area, when Glimmer first gets stung, The text describes her as twitching hysterically. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Those words I thought were so powerful because I think the majority of times that I've heard the word hysterically or or I've used that word, it is about being hysterically funny.
2: Mm -hmm. And it has that
0: connotation. Mm -hmm. And here it is not the case. It's much more tied to probably the original intention of the word, which is tied to hysteria, tied to an uncontrollable nature. And that's what her twitching is showing. But it definitely kind of caught me off guard, I think, when I was reading a little bit more carefully and seeing that word and and kind of thinking about how this moment was so much the opposite of those connotations of a, you know, hilarious moment. Yeah, it just, I think it was the first time I felt Glimmer's death as being particularly powerful in my read-throughs.
1: Yeah, I was noticing that a bit too, that Up until this point you know that people die and you did have the boy at the very beginning Mm -hmm. right after the game's start who spits blood up on, on Katniss's face but that's the most you've had even though so many people have died but you don't really see it and then this is the first time you are seeing it. And there's time spent on it Mm. rather than it's just a line. And then you continue on because she's running away or whatever is happening here. She was observing more. And I appreciate that because I think that's something, not that it's like, oh, I just want to see really gory things. But I think that's something that the movie loses. You don't get the same heaviness and how disturbing it is and the violence that really is these games um, in the movies. Part of it, I think, is because it's not focused on that these are children and this is what's happening to them and their bodies, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was also interesting during that scene, too, when it shows some of the advantages different people have based off of their body build as well as their intelligence because her getting stung three times affected her so much compared to i assume Cato got stung several more times Mm -hmm. and i'm sure it affected him a lot too but not to the same degree it like it might have killed katniss if she had gotten as many stings as some of the others did because she is just smaller in stature
2: yeah
1: as well as it said that Peta and one or two of the others started running automatically, not gathering anything, not doing anything else. That automatic ability to assess the situation and act quickly makes a difference and save them.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting because I was thinking about that similarly for Katniss when she first sees the Tracker Jacker nest at the very beginning of the chapter. There's a line that's something like, she immediately grows tense, Mm -hmm. and it shows that she does have this survival experience that is probably unique to her. Maybe someone like Rue, who has obviously a lot of experience with them as well, might have something like that. But if you are a career tribute, sure, you maybe have been trained your whole life for the Hunger Games, but does that mean that you've had the experience of actually being in nature and coming up by surprise against something as dangerous as that.
1: I mean, and they're trained for combat. Yeah. And that's it. And you can't combat Tracker trackers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. And I mean, in a, a very real way, Katniss's first kills. Yeah. It wasn't as direct as firing an arrow through their eyes, but But still, still two yeah. people
1: died because of her plan.
0: Yeah, which was premeditated, which was strategic.
1: Did she know it was going to kill them? Not necessarily, but she knew it very well could. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you have any other striking moments?
1: So I've been reading this book called The Dark Fantastic written by Ebony Elizabeth Thomas. And it's about race and the imagination in fantastical works. And there's specifically a chapter on Rue and the Hunger Games in it, and there was this one quote that kind of made me think about things differently. So then when I was reading, I, I picked up on something that I hadn't really thought about before. So the quote from the book is It is important for Rue to be constructed as both innocent little girl equated with Prim's purity and revolutionary bird. Because part of what she's talking about is Rue being the first mocking jay of, of the books. Mm. Before Katniss ever, you know, could symbolically be equated with this, Rue is.
0: She's already communicating with the Mockingjays. Mm -hmm. She's flying through the trees. Yeah, I can totally see that.
1: So I was thinking about that, you know, like, revolutionary bird. And then when Rue and Katniss are making their alliance and eating food together and talking... I noticed that Rue is the only person on screen in the games themselves up until that point that talks about the conditions in their district.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And considering how <laughs> the capital is and how Pan Am is run, I think that that is a bold act of dissent. And, you know, I would like to think that that's intentional to some degree, I think, Rue is clever enough to know that you're not supposed to talk about these things Mm -hmm. so yeah I just I was thinking about that as her being the first one that really sheds more light and you know Katniss is thinking oh they're probably editing this part out Mm -hmm. so maybe it didn't that conversation didn't go out to everyone I I don't know but the fact that she's even doing it it's being kind of more bold than I would have thought of Rue being, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's really fascinating because now that I think about it, up until this point, the only examples that we've gotten of capital oppression have been Katniss narrating them or experiencing them.
2: Mm-hmm. Rue
0: was the first person who's telling Katniss and the audience about the kind of oppression that the capital puts on the districts. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, in some ways, this could be an inciting moment because it's her getting knowledge that she didn't have access to before that is helping to further show how awful the capital is and and giving Katniss more reason to judge the capital.
1: And, you know, it's it's probably not common for relationships to build like this. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're going to have an alliance, you would think it would be with somebody from your own district, unless you're part of the career pack. But generally, the people coming from the careers districts one and two and four don't suffer as much under of course all of the districts are oppressed to some degree but they are the favorites they don't suffer as much be partially because they keep winning and winning and winning so their district always gets all of the extra grain and all of the gifts yeah. and everything and so they haven't had to grow up with as bad a situation and you know they're allowed to train and stuff that's illegal they're completely allowed to do without any repercussions and so people from the careers wouldn't be able to share the same sort of stories i think as rue and katniss can
0: absolutely a very important moment
1: yeah another one i was thinking about is katniss being out for two days
0: mm-hmm.
1: specifically with foxface when Katniss gets over to the stockpile of supplies, Foxlace was waiting for the careers to leave so that she could go steal some food. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just wondering why she didn't kill the careers that were incapacitated after the venom mm-hmm. from the Tracker Jackers. If Katniss was out for two days, they must have been out too. They got stung more. So yeah, it just kind of made me think about if she didn't want to kill anyone either, if her hope was to just evade everyone and be the last person standing because she had the opportunity and she didn't do it.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. It kind of goes into one of the, from another POV sections that I thought was thinking of, which is what are, yeah, these other tributes like Thresh and Foxface, how do they experience these two cannons going off and seeing two careers die? And... Mm. What are their experiences in the arena, but also how is that affecting their strategies or their assumptions about what's happening in the arena with the queer pack and everything like that?
1: Yeah, we get a little bit of the feeling of that when Katniss and Rue hear a cannon go off and she's just like, was that PETA? Mm -hmm. Was that someone else? Who was it? What's happening? And to just not have the information that could help you in any way, yeah, to realize that that's probably a lot of the other characters yeah. most of the time. It just makes things more precarious mm-hmm. than they already were.
0: Yeah, it's a kind of fog of war situation. You only have access to the knowledge of the battlefield or the arena in this case based off of your own perceptions, mm-hmm. and that there are always things happening that will be important but are happening beyond those perceptions.
1: Which is another great choice for Suzanne Collins to choose the first person narrator. Mm. Because I think it really helps you understand and get into those feelings more than you would with a different narration.
0: Yeah, first person and present tense.
1: Yeah. yeah. So was there another, another, another point of view (laughs) (laughs) that you were thinking about?
0: Yeah, I was thinking about what it was like for Rue as mm-hmm. she's building this relationship with Katniss. And in particular, what it's like during that conversation where Katniss is telling her Peeta's love for her was an act. Mm-hmm. And Rue says, oh, I thought that was real. That, that was acting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's funny because Rue has up till now always been described by Katniss as being extremely intelligent. Mm-hmm. So sure, Katniss is trying to say, oh, no, no, no. Of course, they, he planned it with Haymitch but the fact that Rue not only thought that, but then tells Katniss, oh, I didn't think he was acting. (laughs) This time reading through it, I was wondering how much of that was not Rue just looking up to Katniss as a big sister and and loving to be able to talk to her, but might've been some of her being like, do you know what you're talking (laughs) about? Because I don't think he was acting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's possible, yeah.
0: (laughs) Because I'm sure Rue is... Rue has been paying attention to the other tributes, trying to figure out what, yeah, not only what their stories are, but what their strengths might be and how best to survive when she's pitted against them. And so, yeah, it just, it made me think more about what it was like for her to see Katniss and Peeta, but also these other tributes throughout this process, throughout the training, interviews, and, and everything up till then.
1: Yeah, definitely. I was thinking about her a bit, too, When Rue is sleeping in Katniss's sleeping bag with her, and Katniss is thinking she didn't really realize how lonely she's been Mm. in the arena. So I was thinking about Rue and how lonely she must have been, too, as a 12-year-old. Not only would she have that loneliness, which maybe led her to kind of follow Katniss around, uh, because she always seems to be around where Katniss is, Mm -hmm. right? But... Also, you know, the fear that I think can exacerbate loneliness to some degree, too, of just being completely alone in the woods waiting for people two times your size to find you and kill you, now. you know, and just the feeling of relief, you know, not having to do it all alone as they share their food and, and things like that. So I was thinking about How relieved, yeah, Rue must feel and that she is able to fall asleep right away. Katniss is thinking, well, I guess she trusts me.
0: She could have killed me by now.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Like, It's not just the fear and the survival, but that very human loneliness too in the games.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Another point of view I was thinking about is when Katniss has the burn medicine. Like, I was just imagining being a person that suffered from a burn injury in the districts and seeing the effects on screen of this medicine. Oh, wow. And just, like, the rage you would feel, you know, that this is available, but they don't give it to people. And... They're going to use it for these games that they've constructed on this fire that they planned, they orchestrated it. And now for an exorbitant amount of money, they're going to allow this one person to, to benefit from it when, yeah, all of these other people that have suffered similar things and because of how the capital has structured their labor and just like... I imagine, sure, watching the games in general would make you hate the capital more and more and more. But when you see little things like that, I could imagine it just making you livid again, you know,
0: Mm -hmm. in a new way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's such a good perspective to think about. Particularly in District Twelve, they're coal miners. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, there's going to be burn victims. I mean, she she talks about how her mother treated a burn victims. So mm-hmm. yeah, 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 or even how her mother might think of it.
1: Oh, absolutely. As someone who
0: would want to treat someone with this, but mm-hmm. knows that should never have access to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Do you have any other perspectives?
1: Yeah, just quickly, I was also thinking about the boy from District Three, who is somewhere between. 13 and 18 years old, and is this little genius digging up the landmines? And yeah, he figured out how to hook them up and and make it so that they would be active again. You know, so yeah, I was just like thinking about his perspective of being there and trying to constantly weigh should I make a run for it when Rue lights the fires and. Cato and clove and the boy from district one are arguing about like oh should we leave him here or should we take him you know just imagining like walking with them through the woods and being like how long are they going to keep me around alive should i make a run for it but i need their food you know yeah like just trying to weigh those decisions um
0: did he have his own kind of backup plan with the mines as a way of
1: Mm.
0: once maybe Thresh and Katniss were no longer in the picture that he would turn them against the pack yeah yeah
1: yeah but should we go into our touch points sure these are aspects of these chapters that we see paralleled in our own world
0: the main one that that I was thinking a lot about had to do with the tracker jackers Just how Rue describes that the Tracker Jacker nests are still all over the place in Eleven. And Katniss also saw them just left in the woods around the districts. And even though they've been taken out of any area near the capital, the districts are still in danger of them. And it just reminded me of how artillery, landmines, and Mm -hmm. things like that are still all over the world in areas that, in particular, countries like the United States have gone to war against and have just left there um, and continue to kill people every, every year.
1: Or if not kill them, name them.
0: Yeah. I don't have the figures here, but I remember reading a book called Aftermath that described a lot of these, and it talked about how in the Black Forest, the region between Germany and France...
2: Mm.
0: where a lot of the artillery was dropped in World Wars One and Two, for every square foot of land, there was multiple bombs dropped over those years. And that much of that remains in the area and unexploded. And mm. dozens of people die from it, uh, even in the modern day. More intense, I think, are things like in Southeast Asia, where yeah. you see a lot of landmines that were used in really colonialist yeah. wars or neo-colonialist wars. Uh,
1: Us just invading places. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, that afterwards we were just like, okay, bye. And yeah, it remains these huge, huge issues throughout the region that are still flooded with landmines and, and these destructive materials. And it makes me think about how, you know, for the United States, despite the possible Ukraine crisis that's going on right now, we don't think of the Cold War as impacting our day-to-day anymore. But Mm -hmm. the Cold War, which of course it being cold is true for the United States perhaps, but how cold... A lot of
1: wars were cold for the United States. Exactly.
0: How cold was the Cold War for the Vietnamese? Mm -hmm. And how cold does it remain to this day when they're surrounded by dangerous material from those invasions? decades ago.
1: Totally, yeah. This is completely unrelated. I mean, it's related to landmines, but it's not related to the Hunger Games. But I remember seeing a video about rats they would train to sniff out landmines, which is just really cute. Yeah. (laughs) Rat friends.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, that shows the amount of resources that they're investing in dealing with these issues. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, the destructive remnants of wars, in particular wars that are one sided, and how those remnants remain for the less powerful.
1: When you invade and you leave stuff there while well, you get to leave.
0: Mm-hmm. Or if you have all the resources afterwards because you create a oppressive feudal system <laughs> you can devote those resources to cleaning up your area mm-hmm. but other areas can just figure it out.
1: Absolutely, um
0: but what about you? What touch points did you have?
1: I mean, besides the burn medicine and just thinking about pharmaceutical companies that can make these potentially life-changing treatments yeah. available only to select people that they wanted to be available to. Uh, it's like, oh, you have the science to do a lot of different things, but you just don't want to let the common person have access. Awesome. So besides that...
0: (laughs) In fact, I'd say that that isn't awesome.
1: (laughs) Oh no, such an agitator.
0: I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know me, I'd love for my medications (laughs) to be more expensive. The other thing I was thinking about is the account that Rue is telling Katniss about treatment and things in District 11 and, and how Katniss is thinking about, wow, hearing this almost makes District 12 seem like a safe haven. Like, Mm. sure, people are going to drop dead from starvation, but we don't have the same sort of brutality by the peacekeepers against the population in general. Yeah. So yeah, that was just making me think of as Thresh and Rue are both written that they have dark skin and just sanctioned state brutality against black people also other people of color you know just as a part of our world our country certainly in the United States but also other countries that have had a majority white population for quite a while and so thinking about like you know how Collins intentionally put that in there showing that sometimes discrimination and oppression and violence is done differently to different populations so I like that nuance there in the books
0: yeah yeah a lot of the parallels that we we get here are things that may not be kind of explicit but i think that ru and thresh coming from the agricultural district where they perform whippings on people mm-hmm. and being black like in america yeah. like it's pretty on the nose
1: yeah it's not trying to be subtle <laughs> there no no <laughs> yeah i was also thinking about both her and ru talking about whatever industry that they have in their district they don't get to enjoy the fruits of the labor, you know? Mm. So they have to do different things to try to still get by, even though they're the ones producing the goods. And, you know, that's 100% like our world. All the people who are being exploited through labor, some in sweatshops here, but most definitely throughout other parts of the world they're not wearing the clothes that they're making for us or they're not getting to enjoy all of the shrimp that they're Mm -hmm. catching or whatever it is they don't get to one benefit from it economically but two even just get to enjoy the things that they're putting their time and energy and lives into you know also if if you've never watched the show Rami mm. on Hulu, it's about a Egyptian, American, Arab, Muslim, New Jersey millennial. <laughs> millennial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's just a brilliant, excellent episode um, about 9-11, actually. It's such a good episode for so many different reasons, yeah. but they have a specific conversation about about strawberries yeah. and uh y'all should just go watch it <laughs> I'm not gonna walk you through it go watch it <laughs> yes um but yeah just the yeah it's it's so unjust and it's would be so frustrating for the people you know to yeah. to have to do backbreaking work and not even benefit from from that labor mm-hmm and lastly, the last touch point I wanted to talk about is how disabled kids are treated in Penem and not just treated, but also thought of. Yeah. There's both the terrible, atrocious peacekeepers in District 11 who killed this boy mm-hmm. because he took these glasses to play with. So there's that sort of like no accommodations are made yeah the, the peacekeepers don't even care to try to understand like it, it doesn't matter i yeah. will just kill them but then there's also like this dehumanized way on the other side when like in district 12 when Tanis is thinking about greasy says grandkid who people treat as sort of a pet
2: mm.
1: and how that's like supposed to be better and i mean i guess it's better than execution but it's still really bad right yeah because it's it's dehumanizing i think it's important though that neither katniss nor rue just have the right perspective on this you know that like even them who thus far are the only two in the books that we are really rooting for i think um because there's Some confusion with Peta, and there's you know some interesting things happening with some other you know prep team people or whatever. But like Katniss and Rue, you're like, okay, I'm on their side. (laughs) And even with them, their perspective on these kids who are disabled in certain ways are like, you know, they're not quite right in quotes, you know. Yeah. So I appreciate that though because that is how people view people with disabilities whether mental or physical and so to have these two characters even though we like them like above that and to just be more aware and not ignorant it just wouldn't be realistic you know
0: totally yeah i'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was definitely something i was thinking of a lot too uh and i think a really important moment uh to learn about these districts and, and their cultures and their societies in a more intersectional way of not mm-hmm. just, look, their district, so they are oppressed compared to the capital, but there are other elements of oppression and privilege and things that go on that are much more complicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, I think that also mirrors our world in the sense of Katniss and Rue are very aware of certain ways in which... Oppression is happening to them and to their communities that is wrong and are not happy with it, but that doesn't mean that they're aware of it in every sector of mm-hmm. society that discrimination and inequalities happen, and, and I feel like that's definitely in our society. Ableism is one of the last things people think of if they're thinking about oppression. Totally. Well, on that uplifting note, (laughs)
0: why
1: don't we go into our wonderments?
0: Yeah, I I had two that came from these chapters, two Uh kind of short ones. Uh, One was, I just want to know what the star or flower symbol on Rue's good luck charm is. Mm. uh, What that signifies for her. Totally. And I love that they brought that out because we know that tributes can bring in one item And obviously Katniss has her Mockingjay pin, which becomes symbolic. But it's nice seeing Rue have one that surely is meaningful to her. Mm -hmm. And so showing it does give us a window into what that meaning could be or or the deepness with which these characters experience their world, Mm -hmm. even if we don't know every single element of that. so it definitely made me want to to know more about what that represents if that's something that's specific to her or her family or district 11 or or what was going on
1: yeah you should totally read the the book that i was talking about the chapter on the hunger games it it actually talks about symbolism with some of these things Mm. like the grass that the necklace is made Mm -hmm. out of and the star flower and stuff like that and not just with general symbolic things but also with some symbolic things that can be related to black history and culture uh, additionally yeah very interesting
0: I am excited to read that book once (laughs) I have the time to do so (laughs) (laughs) what are you teaching for classes the other thing I was wondering about which I actually started wondering about for the previous episodes chapters but I didn't want to talk about until we saw a little bit more about what was going on with PETA if Katniss's dream is accurate or possible Mm -hmm. dream is accurate he seems to be not wanting her dead i wonder if he told glimmer that she should bring the bow and arrows Hmm. because she's not good with them as we see when she shoots at katniss and so i wonder if he may have suggested that uh because it does ultimately land right in katniss's in a way. um, Mm. Because would she have had access to that? And it's such a game changer for her that arguably it's one of the things that increases her survivability more than anything else.
1: Oh, absolutely. How much longer could she survive without that? Yeah. I mean, and that's a savvy thing that PETA would do, right? Mm -hmm.
0: And it makes me think, yeah, again, about if PETA was being strategic in allying with the careers. Oh,
1: he was definitely being strategic in allying with the well, careers. I mean, of course, yes.
0: Yeah, so, but in <laughs> in his being strategic in allying with the, the careers, how far does that go? Yeah, I just, I thought that might be something that I, I never really thought before and it's just kind of a an interesting way to think about those circumstances because it does make it so that after Katniss decides, makes a choice not to go after the bow in the beginning in part because Peeta kind of warns her against it, but She doesn't get the bow through happenstance, but Mm -hmm. perhaps through a choice that was made by Peta.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's a great point because that's not Glimmer's weapon of choice. If she's been training for this, maybe not as much as District 2 Mm -hmm. has, but still, then what is her weapon of choice? What is she best at? It's not that. I mean, she's not horrible. She at least hit the tree Mm -hmm. next to where Katniss was, but she's probably not going to kill people with it. So, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting.
0: Yeah. But what are you wondering about?
1: So, I was wondering about who has been getting sponsor gifts. Mm. Because Rue didn't, and the careers don't need anything. Mm -hmm. They have all of the things. Katniss gets one thing that's like this astronomical cost so yeah has anybody been getting things maybe the boy from three when the others were off hunting Katniss maybe that was the time his mentor was like okay let's send him some things I don't know what he would they would have sent but you know maybe Thresh and Foxface have been getting some smaller gifts of like food and things the boy from district 10, you know, has lasted all of this time, the boy with the, the limp. And so yeah, maybe he's getting smaller gifts of food and water and stuff. But yeah, it just, it really makes me wonder what have they gotten? Or do they not have any sponsors? I, I would imagine Thresh probably does. Yeah. But yeah, just it, it makes me wonder, but you would also think that the capital would be very much encouraging people to sponsor it because they're going to hike up the prices so that they can help pay for this production, right? Yeah. So,
0: And it gets people more involved. It makes it so that they're Mm -hmm. literally invested in the outcome of the games, which is a savvy move to increase people's care about the outcome.
1: Totally, yeah. But also, I mean, like, obviously, Haymitch was saving mm-hmm. money up to be able to purchase such an important thing. Yeah. So, yeah, just, I want to know. Another thing I was wondering about is also a, a quote from that book, The Dark Fantastic that I've been talking about, is when Katniss slash Rue used the Tracker Jackers. And Thomas has a quote that says, using the tools of oppression to fight back and preserve the self has long been a tactic of the subjugated, Mm. uh, which I really loved because I wouldn't have really thought about Katniss using the tracker-jackers that way. And I think also the boy from District 3 absolutely does that. I mean, I think even more so than Katniss using the tracker-jackers is because he is digging up something that even Katniss says Good for him putting one on the the game makers because no one's ever done anything like that before. And it's it's literally, you can't take a step off of here or even, like she mentioned, drop your token. Anything, you'll be blown up. And he uses that to survive longer. And so I'm just wondering more about that and I want to think about that more as... I continue reading, any times where this is happening that I just haven't really thought about or noticed before.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point, because absolutely that kind of thing is, does happen you know, throughout history. The, the, the one that comes to my mind is how many indigenous communities who are most effective at resisting colonization, um, both in North and South America, were the ones that were able to build a horse culture as horses were introduced into the Americas by hmm. Europeans. For example, the many of the nations in what's now Southwest United States uh, or Northern Mexico were essentially having a, a kind of raiding society based off of the fact that they were able to use horses to move quickly. Uh, they, they learned how to shoot off of horses. It also in, increased, uh, you know, before bison were killed out, uh, their ability mm-hmm. to hunt bison. So... Yeah, that's, I think, a really good example of, of how when a destructive force is introduced or a new technology is introduced, uh, certainly those who have control of that technology are going to have an advantage, but that introduction can also change those societies that you're trying to control and can, in turn, become a tool for them as well.
1: Totally, yeah. It's, you put this here to kill me, but I'm going to use it to survive longer. Exactly. Yeah fascinating maybe it'll pop back up as we continue reading so before we close out here why don't we talk about our intention what do we what are we taking from these chapters
0: yeah i think mine is the point of medicine that you were talking about mm. because we see how access to medication to medicine can so wholly change someone's life and their survivability
1: absolutely yeah
0: So for me, it's going to be being grateful that I have access to the medications that I do take. And even though there are huge problems with our healthcare system in the United States and access within that, I also know that I'm much more privileged than the majority of the world in the access that I have. So yeah, just to kind of be grateful for that and continue to advocate for the expansion of access to healthcare, Mm. because like the Capitol,
2: we have...
0: (laughs) more capability of providing health care than we actually provide.
1: I mean, let's just look at the COVID vaccine mm-hmm. as an example. I mean, there's medicine is a wide 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 field, but like just that one example of us just having all of these extras, people just don't even want to go get their shot and I have friends in other countries that are like I would give anything to just be able to get this vaccine right now you Absolutely. know
0: um, especially the American vaccines because people right? in other countries if they do get vaccines they might be ones that have much less
1: effectiveness-hmm
0: What about you what's your intention?
1: Mine is like should I learn a skill <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like, you have the boy from District 3 with the landmines. You have Rue with knowing the plant to use to help extract this venom. You have Katniss, basically everything she's done to stay alive thus far. And I'm just like, I don't know how to do anything.
0: (laughs) You don't think that your podcasting abilities aren't going to help you survive in a twisted landscape?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I I don't. Not that like surviving is my top priority. But like it would it would be a nice idea that when the climate change apocalypse comes <laughs> and being able to know what plants
0: will kill me, you know.
1: Little basic things.
0: You could you could start with tying knots.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would be more interested in learning about
0: plants, but
1: uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe I'll I'll think on it.
0: (laughs) So your intention is to consider learning a skill.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to say I'm going to do it because then I'm probably going to fail. So I know myself better than that,
0: Chris. (laughs) We don't want our listeners holding you accountable for things. (laughs) Mm -mm. (laughs) Well, I think that's going to wrap up this discussion. What's happening next time on The Hunger Games?
1: So we're going to be reading chapters 17 and 18, where Katniss sings a song. And this week we are doing just the two chapters because we think that there is going to be a lot to discuss. And then after that, we'll pick up back with three chapters.
0: We're actually going to sing the song.
1: Oh, no, we are not.
0: (laughs) That's
1: (laughs) definitely not you, dear.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find links to our website and our social media in the episode description, or you can join us at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines if you want to become a supporter of the podcast, helping to keep the show sustainable and giving you access to all sorts of extra content.
1: Yeah, we just recently had one of our special mini episodes on The Hunger Games up for our patrons.
0: Mm-hmm. we also appreciate it if you told a friend about the podcast and have them read along as we go through The Hunger Games. We want to thank Kimberly to the pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek out!